your Bibles to the book of Job, chapter 1 and verse 1. You know the way Pastor Stone and I share the services and share the preaching. I, I usually think I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to have two Mother's Day messages or two Father's Day messages or whatever. So a lot of times on these days I will preach something different. And I didn't even talk to Pastor Stone about it, but, but he stayed with his series on spiritual warfare even though that was great for the father and every Christian, anyone, for the unsaved to hear, um, we, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a fully focused Father's Day message. And where I usually uh, detour from doing that, that's what I had on my heart for tonight. So, so pray that it all works out this evening. And we're going to look at Job as a good father tonight, Job chapter 1 and verse 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. One of the last statements that Pastor Stone made this morning is very similar to one of the first statements that I had planned to say tonight, and that is, in parenting, we learn as we go. I can see where two preachers would say that who are parents, who have had that experience of being parents. We surely learn as we go. And so before we go into some instruction or maybe just a a talk, if you will, tonight on fathers and parenting in such a challenging area, it it just seems to be appropriate to to begin this. The way I've began a parenting message before, actually, um... It just always seems appropriate to tell of this man who lectured on parenting. Whether this is a true story or not, I don't know. Either way, it fits and and really hits the subject of parenting. This man had been a professor for a long time, and he had lectured through his single years on parenting, and he had lectured through his married years on parenting as well. When he was single, he called his lecture on parenting 
the Ten Commandments for Parenting. Then he got married, and after that he had a child, and he changed the title of his parenting seminar to the Ten Hints for Parenting. After having two children, he changed the title of his lecture again to the Ten Suggestions for Parenting. After he had three children, he stopped lecturing on parenting. But you know what? We can take a godly man and a father like Job and, and, and within the realm of what we see here from Job, we can talk about some good godly principles for parenting. You know, much is said about Job and his problems. When I said turn to Job, when we mention Job, we think about the trials maybe and the suffering that he went through, his problems. But you don't hear much said about Job as a parent. However, his fatherhood is mentioned in the Word of God. And he was a godly man. Surely, we can talk about some godly principles from this good father, Job. First of all, Job was a child of a father. Obviously an earthly father, but Job was a child we see in verse 1 of a heavenly father. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright. And one that feared God and eschewed evil. Job was a father, but first, Job was a child of God. God was his father. And Job was obviously a good child. It's God breathed all of this word ultimately. And it says that Job was perfect and he was upright. Now that doesn't mean perfect in the way you and I would first think of the word perfect. That does not mean that Job was sinless. There is only one who has been sinless that walked this earth. And by the way, He surely was. Jesus Christ is perfect in the way you think of that word perfect. Perfect in that He knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. If if there were sin that, that Jesus would have committed, then His sacrifice for us would not be acceptable. And, and, and it wouldn't have been acceptable in the sense that Jesus wouldn't have been raised from the grave if He had sinned. He did not. He was perfect. But Job, when it says He was perfect and that He was upright, Job was complete. Job had come to maturity in his spiritual life. He wasn't double-minded and he wasn't unstable. Job was full of integrity and he was empty of hypocrisy. He feared God and he eschewed evil. As a child to his father God, he respected God. He respected who God is. He respected what God did. He respected what God said. He feared God. He didn't tremble before God as a slave would maybe before a master, but he respected God as his parent. He trusted God as his father. 
He obediently respected God. Fear. Fearing God. That's, that's not something many Christians think about today. That's not something many preachers preach about today. It's something that's lacking in this day and time. A good, healthy fear of Almighty God. Job feared God. It's good to have a healthy fear of God. When a person fears God, they have nothing else to fear. When someone does not fear God, they have everything to fear. It's good to fear God. Job feared God. As we know, and as our minds probably first went to, Job, he, he lost his children. His children died. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. Yet he still feared God. And he trusted Him. Job says in 13, 15, Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. And very popular verse from Job in chapter 19, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. All that He went through, He knew that His Redeemer lived. Though death and disease and loss had come to Job, He knew that He could trust His Father through it all. He loved the Word of God through it all. He esteemed the Word of God more than His necessary food. He knew that His spiritual daily feeding was more important than the physical everyday feeding of His food. Job was a child of a father before he became, before he was a father of children, okay? And that's a good thing. To be a good father, it first takes being a good child, a child of God. Job was a child of God, and we see here that he was a father to children. And there were born unto him seven, seven sons and three daughters. Job had a responsibility. I'll, I'll never forget when my first child was born, second child as well, one thing I could think of was responsibility. I am responsible for this child. Job, no doubt since that, I'm glad, I'm glad he had a heavenly father. I'm glad he was a good child of a heavenly father. I'm glad that Job was right with God. Born again men have the potential to be the greatest fathers. I would like to say born-again men are the greatest fathers. And, and, and born-again men should be the greatest fathers. Born-again men can, be, can do more as fathers in their children's lives than unsaved men. Unsaved men can, can have a love for their children. Unsaved men can provide for their family. And, and they can care for them and, and be sensitive to them. But born-again fathers can minister to their children spiritually. It is the job of a father to minister to their children spiritually. That's something that lost fathers cannot do. But saved fathers can do everything that a lost father can do, and then some, to help with the spiritual need of the children. 
This is something that the Father is to take time to do. We bring our families to church. Maybe Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They go to Sunday school. We go to Sunday school. We send them to camp. We send them for a time of devotion up here for different activities. And, and I think that's something we should do every week, every, every uh, service of the week. That is great to do. But if that is the extent of our children's spiritual learning, then dad is not fulfilling his duty. The teaching at church is very important. And amazing things happen spiritually at church. You might think about your, your life and your growth and your journey with the Lord. And a lot of things might have happened at home in the rocking chair with the Bible in your hands. But, but, a, but a lot of defining moments in your spiritual life might have happened in a pew from what was said from the Word of God or, or fellowship with one another or, or knowing of a need of someone and being able to, to meet a need. And special things happen at church. We should bring our families to church. But, but let me say this. That should be the second place that children get their spiritual learning from. The primary place should be at home from dad. Mom and dad too, but this is Father's Day and we're focused on the spiritual leader, called spiritual leader, dad. That he would share the word of God at home. That, and, and what should happen all the time is living the word of God before the children. There are a lot of children who come to church and they're confused by things that happen at home. So, so the, the godly father is to live at home, live with the children everywhere he goes, what they learn at church as well. And at home, dad is to take the primary role and the primary place in, in being a, a good father and, and giving spiritual learning to the child. The first place ought to be at home. A good father lives Bible lessons before the children. I'll probably mess up a, a bit of it, but you'll get the point. It, a story just hit my mind about Shelly. They, they found a cigar box full of money on the next street over in Granddaddy's neighborhood. And I think Shelly asked, what, what are we going to do with this? And Grandmother said, what do you think we're going to do with it? We're going to find out whose it is. And sure enough, I... Shelly can correct this later if she wants, but I think somebody had a garage sale on the next block and somebody had seen that box. They used it for their money and they were able to return it to them. You know, we live Bible lessons before our children. Dad's to be a good father. He's to be the teacher at home. And, and one thing he's to do to be a good father, a good spiritual father, is to show love. Not provoking children to anger but raising them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord in love. A child should always know that their father loves them. And that involves hands-on, spending the time, putting the time in and spending the time with them. That the, the questions that the kids have, the why questions. Has anyone ever been annoyed by their child's why questions. 
It's okay. Some days they can really pour them on and they're on a roll. And there are many. We should embrace those why questions. Even if it seems like a natural question, it seems like everything, the preacher anyway, can take everything to the spiritual one way or another. We should, we should focus on those why questions. We should stop and give our attention to what's important to them and answer those why questions. They shouldn't be discouraged from asking why. They should be encouraged. Dads are to start early teaching their children and sticking with it. The more there's a delay, the harder it is. So dads are to start early and, and, and stick to it, especially the first 18 years of their lives. Especially get it started from the beginning. And then on through, through not just 18 years. I say 18, that's some kind of mark for some people. But mom and dad, dad should always look for opportunity to be teaching in the lives of their children. Because think about it. Everywhere they go in age, we've already been there. At least about 20 years before, we've been there. And so there's opportunity to teach our children throughout their lives. But, but we have quite a mission for the first 18, 21 years of their lives. And, and, and they're to grow on that. When we love our children, we're going to teach our children. The, and the teaching opportunities actually never end. It's an expression of love to personally teach our kids, to have that investment in their lives. I mean, think about it. Who should, who should teach our kids contentment, courtesy, discernment, fairness, generosity, hopefulness, honesty, humility, kindness, obedience? Who should teach our kids this? Orderliness, patience, persistence, respect, self-control, thankfulness, wisdom, to be zealous for the things of the Lord. Who should teach them that first? Dad ought to be teaching that at home. Dad ought to be teaching that by his life. The father is to be teaching the children these things gently and patiently and do so in love. A good father shows love. A good father sets limits. I just became unpopular. Maybe there's a lot of people listening online and I just became unpopular there. And that just changed the whole atmosphere. A good father sets limits though. This has been deleted by dad from his list of duties today. For the most part. You know, throughout. It's just something that's gone. The few fathers who do set limits, they stand out as different. You can't do this, you can't do that. What, is your dad from the 1800s? That is the response to a dad who sets limits today. And it should still be. Our, if you set limits for your kids, they'll look at the crowd of kids around them, and, and they'll think that this is something strange going on, possibly. It's such an odd thing today. 
Dad needs to learn to set limits if he's not, though. I want to draw out one verse from 1 Samuel 3.13. It says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile and restrained them not. In other words, Dad knew something and didn't set limits. I mean, every dad knows something. We all have something in common about our kids. They were like we were, you know, so we all know something. So we all know that limits are needed. The father didn't set limits there. You know, some, that comes across harsh to the world today. Set limits for your children. That, that just comes across in a way, it's such a different mentality today. God had two children. He put them in a garden. Guess what He did? He set limits for His children as a perfect parent who had perfect love for those children. He set limits. If dad loves his child, he's going to set limits. The children won't like them. They'll lean against them. Kind of like that barbed wire fence that goes up and the cow goes down it and he, he leans against it looking for a weak spot so he can get out over where he can get in trouble, where he can run out in the road and get run over maybe, you know. Looking, looking to lean against the protection and to get out there and to go do something else. Children aren't going to like them. They'll lean against them. But when they become adults, they'll love Dad for it. You know, I, 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 I love the hugs and kisses from, from my children when they're young. I think we can all get those. But if we get them when they're older, it's going to come from, from a lot of things. And one thing is going to be setting limits. I'm going to say something you might not agree with today. I believe our children crave it ultimately. I believe they crave direction. They're looking for it somewhere. And if we don't give direction and if we don't set limits, someone else or something else is going to set their limits and it's not going to be good and it's going to hurt their lives. We need to set limits in our children's lives when they're young. Dad is going to seem more like foe than friend sometimes when dad's doing the job that he is to do when he loves his children because he's going to set some limits. Dad can't be his young child's friend. I th- I think dad and son might be able to be friends if he matures up real good in their 30s or something like that. Don't hold me to the age I shot out there. They mature, kids mature different ways. But I think you can be your child's friend in a sense when they get older, but you cannot be your child's friend when they're young. If dad's his child's friend, I'm just going to say it, that's, that's, that's selfishness of dad. And it's weak. On this subject, I've, I've brought up someone, someone I dearly love and care for very much. I'm not going to say a name. They've never been a member of this church, but, but some of you may know this person. 
And, and they've just come to my mind on this subject a lot. And, and her parents were her friend growing up. And she's about the age of maybe myself, close by around it. And, and you know, a lot of you. And there's a difference in her and, and, and a lot of you and us here tonight in that there's just, she just can't do things for herself. Nothing, nothing wrong with her and, and her as a, as a human with her mind and and with her with her you know her limbs and her her physical body. It's healthy and but she just can't do things for herself. She has no discipline to herself. No conviction of morals. Does not fulfill her responsibilities, but gets someone else to help with the responsibilities and and. She made a very good statement one time. If she's putting all the blame on her parents, that, that's not right. We've got to get beyond that. But she did make a good statement one time that says she agrees with everything I just said about her. And that is, I wish my parents would have been harder on me and ingrained more into me so that I could have done more. If we love our children, we'll lead them. We'll love them, but we will also set limits. If we don't lead them, somebody else is going to lead them. If we don't help them to learn how to make decisions, someone else, someone outside of the family, some other influence is going to lead them in their decision making. And most likely it's going to be the wrong way. Don't give in when the child pushes. I think I've said this before on this subject, but it, it comes to my mind. And that is someone from another country came and visited this country. And when they were leaving, they said, it's your first time to America. What was the most interesting thing you saw? And the man said, how the children lead and rule the families. Don't give in when the child leans on the fence and pushes. Set limits and they won't fall for someone else setting limits for them when they get older. When we set limits, we're not, I'm not just, when I say setting limits, I'm not just talking about the do nots. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I'm talking about good, godly principles in the lives of our children that can be instilled in them, that they can live on all of their lives. And we need to do it patiently, and we need to do it in love. That gives them the opportunity to grow in courage, to grow in confidence, to grow in contentment as, as a young person. A father with his children will show love, will set limits. Let's go ahead and interject verse 3 in here. Will be a strong laborer. His substance, Job's substance, was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and, and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. I mentioned that dad is, is to work, but he's not to be obsessed with work. Dad's to be a, a hard worker. He's to provide. He's to show his children how to be a provider. His father is to desire 
that, that he learned how to provide, but the father's desire to be successful shouldn't come from money. That shouldn't be his, his, his goal. But ministry in his children's lives. I recently heard a story about a multimillionaire. And everybody praised the things that he did to become a multimillionaire. Called him successful. He had five wives. And he had five sons. And by his own testimony of his sons with a grieving heart, none of his sons became successful at all. And he was interviewed once again about all of his success. And I guess he had had enough and hit a breaking point and hit reality. And he said, please don't use my name in success in the same sentence. It doesn't belong there. And then he explained that testimony of family. He said, the one who success needs to be attached to is the one who has a close family unit who raises their children and it has nothing to do with the money that he makes. Job had wealth, but his family was more important. A good dad will work hard and handle his earnings well. Job did. Job one twenty one. He acknowledged that everything he had came from the Lord. The Lord gave. Job was what? What does it say of him? That he was that so that this man was the greatest of all the men in the East. And he says, Yeah, the Lord gave. The Lord gave it to him. He used his wealth for the good of others. We see in Job chapter 29 and verse 12. Listen to this. Because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help him, the blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor and the cause which knew not I searched out. He, he used what he had to help others. Job didn't have 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 through 10. He didn't have it written down before him, but he lived it and he gets an A plus for this. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that which will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many into foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I mention this point because I believe prosperity is weakening the parent today. You know, praise the Lord when, when we can do something at work to have a 10% increase, 20% increase in our finances. That's great if it works it out well. But 
But if it takes up so much time that it hurts the home, it's not worth it. And, and our focus needs to be on, on, on parenting today over prospering today. So there is a need to be specific with dad about being a strong laborer. It's good to work. It's good to work hard. We should work hard. Someone I heard on Christian radio, which I very seldom would quote, but I heard someone say, don't give 110% to your job. Give 100% and then go home to your family and give them some energy and give them some time. Dad's to be a strong laborer, but he's to be a spiritual leader. Verse 5, let's look at it again. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them, his children, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job acted as the Old Testament priest in the lives of his own children. It was an ongoing custom that Job had for his children. Why? Because Job was concerned for his children. Job cared about the spiritual well-being of his children's life. The most important thing about our children's lives are their, is their spiritual well-being. Some say it's all about college. College can be good. It's great to get an education. We need light in that darkness in college. And, and, then, the, and then the kind of jobs they get on, on such a level that, that, may, that may be high and great, which I hope so for anyone for their child. We, we, we need Christians there. Uh, on the top floor of the high-rises downtown in the big companies telling their co-workers about Jesus Christ. But some people think that, that it's, it's college is the most important thing. I've heard it. I've heard it. Their kids, college. If, if there's no college, who cares about anything else with their life if they don't go to college? I, I think that's a wrong attitude. I think that that importance is placed in the wrong way. Or, or maybe it's cash. My kid just needs money. I don't want my kid to struggle like I did. Man, when I think back to our struggling years and how far my mama could make a dollar go, that was good for our lives. Sure, we, we want our kids to have some more and that's okay, but, but, but when the extreme is college or the extreme is cash and Christ is left out, come on. The most important thing for our children is that they know Christ and that they grow spiritually. A concerned, godly father is going to want that. Every, everyday life, a good father wants to know where their children are all the time and, and not just wherever they want to be. A, a good father, a godly father, wants to know what their children are doing. A good father wants his children to know right from wrong. A good father wants to know his children's friends, where they go. What's on their phone? What's in their backpack? What's in the, on the movies that they're watching? A good father wants to do that and is going to do that because he cares. He cares about the child. Everything is, this world is trying to mold our children to something that, that our potter is opposite of. 
A good father, a godly father, shares and shows Jesus. You know, messages like this have always been preached through the years. Maybe not so much these days. But, and you know what happens? Sometimes we feel bad over past shortcomings in this. And, and I just want to say tonight to whoever's listening here or online that, that it's never too late. It may be more challenging if our children are over are older, but it's not over. It's never too late. We can go to the Lord in prayer for our children. We can ask God for His mercy and His grace and His help that we can help the lives of our children. There's a fellow that I worked with at Bluebell, and his dad got, here he is, maybe 22, 23 years old, and his dad got saved while his son is that age. And he's on fire for the Lord. He has Bible studies going on at home. He's reading his Bible at home. Joe comes in from work and he says, Joe, you ought to go to church with me Sunday. I want you to go with us to church Sunday. And Joe would say, well, you didn't go. You didn't go all my life until now. And I'm glad Joe shared that with me because I got to tell him about being a new creature in Christ. And old things pass away and all things become new. And his dad just got, your dad just got saved, Joe. And it's the same thing you, you need. Don't look back on him when he was separated from God and in darkness and maybe blinded and deceived and didn't know the Lord. He knows him now. I don't know what Joe did about that, but he never complained about, his, about the, 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 new, the new life that his dad had before me anymore. And then, and then when you think about messages like this, you know, what about, what about those who say, I have a very hard time connecting with this message. And I can agree with some because of things that happened to us in life. What about those whose dads deserted them? Their homes had been broken. Dad passed away. Dad raged up and down the hallway in the house all of their childhood with a temper yelling up and down, up and down and through the house. What about victims of these circumstances, if you want to say victims? Well, the answer is we, we no longer have to be a victim because there is a wonderful Heavenly Father who is so very real and He is effectual in the lives of His children. And God, as a Father, ministers to our hearts. We get to walk with Him as children of God and we get to talk to Him as children of God. He is a perfect Father and He loves us. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father. But the only way to have this perfect Father for one's own is to know His Son, Jesus Christ. When you come to know Jesus Christ and you trust Him as your Lord and Savior, you have a wonderful Father in heaven. And He is very real in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. He speaks to you through His Word. You can speak to Him anytime you want through prayer. And He inclines His ear unto His children. And He loves His children with an everlasting love. Many bitter hearts 
from circumstances I just gave a little list of. Many bitter hearts, hardened hearts, have been broken and softened by a wonderful Father in heaven. I never, I, di- I didn't have a spiritual dad for 78 years. He got saved at 78 years old. He made fun of me when I got saved and said, you should have talked to me before you got into this religious business. I've been on this earth 76 years and I've never seen anybody die and be raised from the dead. Well, he received Jesus who died on the cross, was buried and raised again. But I didn't have a spiritual father until he got saved. And it was, it was different for me, say, than... than than those who grew up with a, with a godly father, a Christian father in their home. I taught my dad rather than my dad teach me, only by God's grace. And I'm thankful he's in heaven today. But I give my scenario, I give my situation because I know mine more than anyone else's. And someone else may have another situation here tonight where, where God broke through to your heart and got to you. Look, he's a, he's a loving father and he can overcome every situation. By the way, before my dad became a spiritual dad, God gave me a spiritual dad in church. He gave me Big Bob, the man who led me to the Lord. And, and God does that within the family of God. Things might have happened in our own family growing up, and dad might not be there. But I tell you what, there's a spiritual dad for you in church, and, and he has the love of God oozing out of his pores for you, and he loves you. And it, it may be one, it may be several. But I tell you what, God can fill in the gap. God can do a great job in the lives of those who just can't relate to a lot of this message until we get here. But the only way to have a perfect father in your life is to receive his perfect son, Jesus Christ, and to take him as Lord and Savior. If you trust Jesus by faith, he'll save you and you will be the child of a father in glory who is looking upon you, who is ministering to you through the person of His Holy Spirit, who is living inside your life. And He will deliver you. A Father who will love you. He'll set limits for you. And He'll do it better than earthly dad does. You know, according to... What does it say there? I'm going to go ahead and turn there real quick. In, in, in uh, Hebrews... And chapter 12 and verse 5. Well, close to verse 5 anyway. And for God knows, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked to him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all of our partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, according to what they thought was right in the, at their very best. But He for our profit that we might be partakers of His holiness. What a blessing it is to have always genuine 
perfect love from a Father in heaven. Any of us, anyone can have that. A Father in glory through Jesus Christ. He'll, he'll love us. He'll set limits. And He'll be our spiritual leader affecting us and our hearts from heaven. As I recently told a family member, investigate God. If there's anyone listening in online, if there's anyone here tonight who can't relate to a lot of things in this message, I say investigate a father in this book who, who loves us, who is perfect, who will be a perfect father in our lives. And, and how, how can we not believe that when He gave His own Son to suffer in our place that we might be saved from our sins and become children of Father God. I don't know what might be going on in your heart tonight, and it it may be that you need to come kneel down front and pray. You might need to pray for your father or family member or or, or a child that, that comes to your mind through a message like this. Whatever it may be, let us take time after the Word of God, not for some kind of show, not for anyone to be nosy in anybody's business, but for us to do business with God as He ministers to our hearts from His Word. Let us bow, then we'll have a time of invitation. Father God in heaven, we do humble ourselves before You tonight, Lord. If we're not bowed on our knee, may we be bowed in our hearts, Lord, giving You reverence and giving You praise for the Father that You are. Dear God, I I pray for a world in such a condition as it is right now and a great contribution to it is the lack of godliness in fathers. Lord, we need you tonight. We pray that you make us all godly fathers. Lord, for those fathers who are here in the house tonight, I thank you, Lord, for for everyone here tonight, and that you have used your word to minister to any and every heart, Lord. Have your way with us tonight. Have your way with the one who has never trusted you. Maybe they have delayed. I pray they see how dangerous delay is. And Lord, that pride would be set aside, and that that as you draw them, they would make that decision and say yes to Jesus Christ that they would trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life for forgiveness of their sins. And we ask all these things in your mighty name, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.